Hello, Louisiana. I'm Kerry Martin, and this is the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast for Wednesday, September 11th of 2019. Welcome to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, a look at the latest news in Louisiana agriculture. Now, here's the host of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast, Carrie Martin. Cattle prices have tanked over the last month, and that's affecting our cattle market here in Louisiana. We'll talk more about that with Dave Foster, CEO of Cattle Producers of Louisiana. That's coming up later in the podcast. But first, here's a look at news headlines. 30 Louisiana parishes are eligible for the new WHIP Plus disaster program. USDA announced on Monday that sign-up for the Wildlife and Hurricane Indemnity Program Plus, or WHIP Plus for short, began today, September 11th. The assistance is designed to help producers recover from natural disasters in 2018 and 2019. Richard Fordyce, administrator of the Farm Service Agency, says Congress set aside funds in June of this year to help American farmers in their recovery efforts. This is just a touch over $3 billion that Congress has put toward these recovery efforts, and we are going to begin with the WIP Plus program. The WIP Plus program will be very similar to the WIP program of last year. Fordyce says the disaster legislation will include funds on prevent plant recovery. USDA plans to release details on that soon. There was also a mention of prevent plant in that legislation. Those provisions are not completed yet at this point, but expect to have some announcement on the prevent plant provision of the legislation here very soon. Block grants also were a part of the 2017 WIP. We're currently in conversation with a number of states to look at their block grant proposals. Remember anything that was a block grant from last year had to cover activity or losses that were not covered under anything else through the WIP Plus program. Now here's a quick rundown of the parishes in Louisiana that are eligible to participate in this new WIP Plus program. Acadia, Allen, Ascension, Assumption, Avoyles, Beauregard, Bozier, Caddo, Calcasieu, Cameron, Catahoula, Evangeline, Grant, Jeff Davis, Lafayette, Lafouche, Lincoln, Morehouse, Natchitoches, Point Capee, Rapides, Red River, St. Charles, St. James, St. John the Baptist, St. Landry, St. Martin, Terrebonne, Union, and Vermilion. If you're in one of those parishes, check with your local FSA office about signing up for this disaster aid program. USDA releases its latest crop production and supply and demand reports tomorrow morning at 11 a.m., So will this month's round of crop reports cause as big of a stir as last month? Gary Crawford takes a look from Washington. We are just hours away now from the new round of USDA crop forecasts. And after last month's huge corn acreage and production estimates that shocked markets, what's in store this time? Just like everyone, we don't know what to expect. Uh, Mark Jekanowski is acting chairman of USDA's Outlook Board. He says this month, the USDA Statistics Service will be doing its first of the season actual measurements of crops on thousands of plots of land that could give some clues on crop yields. But with crop development for corn and beans so behind normal, those clues may be very tentative. Jekanowski's group will be 
issuing new demand and price projections. That's very difficult for the last couple of weeks for corn, for an example. The market has been keying in their expectations for improved yields because of weather. And then yesterday's crop progress report deflated that outlook a, a little bit. An inflated price prospect with an unexpected 3% drop in the amount of corn reported in good to excellent shape, demonstrating yet again. There's been a ton of volatility this year, maybe more than most. Making things very hard to project. Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture, Washington. The three main candidates running for Louisiana Commissioner of Agriculture and Forestry addressed the Baton Rouge Press Club this week. Don Molina was at that debate and has this report. While they differed on a lot of things, they all agreed on the importance of FFA and 4-H. Democrat Margaret Green. Most people that I talk to, strangely enough, I went to LSU for agriculture, say, wow, it never occurred to me that that was something you could choose to major in. The loss of rural programs like 4-H and FFA and the sort of diminishment of those, especially in South Louisiana, is one of the reasons that we don't have young people choosing agricultural careers. I think that those programs are incredibly effective and wonderful, but I do think that they require some updating. Right now, I think a lot of young people choose to opt into them if they come from rural families, but most folks don't come from rural families anymore that are choosing to farm. That's just statistical. It's not a judgment. I would love for young people to stay on the farm, but they don't anymore. And so we need to be drawing young people in from other sources. Democrat Peter Williams. Even just sitting down talking with young men and giving them an opportunity to see that there is an honest living in agriculture and forestry. Maybe helping them decide in a career development path to go into agriculture. Even if they don't be a farmer, maybe you'll be a soil scientist or a water air quality specialist. So those programs are very important because one, it take them from the normal status quo of doing and put them in a structured program to open their eyes and give them an opportunity to think outside the box that I could be a farmer, I could be a scientist, I could use my hands. Farming is real. It's a task, it's a job, but it's also a lifestyle, and it works. And you have to catch them at an early age, and they're going to gravitate to it. When they're farming and fishing, they're not stealing and doing drugs. Republican Mike Strain. About a quarter million members participating in both, and they're being conducted, and it's done by through our ag centers as per the Constitution. These vocational agriculture classes are critical. They teach our young people about leadership. They educate them about agriculture. It's about opportunity, and it's about fraternity. We've also instilled now industry-based standards, the IBCs, necessary for high school graduation, so that Ag 1, Ag 2, and Ag 3 qualify for that. It's absolutely critical for the development of our young people. You combine these two together, whether it's livestock shows or if it's all different types of projects, we have to fight to maintain this because the future leaders of agriculture just go there and look at our 4-H and FFA kids. I'm Don Molino on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Now let's look at the markets on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Soybeans and corn both close lower ahead of tomorrow's USDA crop production and supply and demand report. Jack Scoville is with the Price Futures Group on the trading floor in Chicago. Well, I think that's, I think there's, there's a fear that it could be a bearish report and for, a couple of, for a couple of reasons, but the big reason being that um, I think that there's the idea that USDA still won't really have the information they need to uh, go and cut production estimates in a big way. Uh, they're going to have yield estimates, or at least a little better handle on yield estimates, because they are going to start taking a look at the ears for the first time uh, for this report. So it won't be just uh, producer surveys and, and satellites. But um, 
<clears throat> they won't really, I don't think, make any changes to uh, to uh, uh, harvested area at this time. They really don't have that type of information available. So uh, I think there is some fear that USDA could leave the estimates a lot higher than the market anticipates. And uh, so I think you're seeing the market generally, except for yesterday, really being uh, generally pretty weakened through here. November soybeans down five and a half, closing at eight sixty-six and a half. January beans down five and a quarter, eight eighty and a half. Lower close for the corn market, December corn down one and a half, three sixty a bushel. March corn down two and a quarter, three seventy-two and a quarter. New crop July wheat down a penny, four ninety-one and three quarters. The rough rice market has seen good strength lately and closed higher today. Mark Tall is a rice marketing specialist with the Louisiana Farm Bureau Marketing Association. Well, the futures market moved slightly higher today. November is currently at 12.09, up 8 cents, and reached a high of 12.10 per hundred. We're still hanging around the mid to upper range of the short-term Bollinger Band. If we hit that top level, then we could either see a breakthrough or meet resistance. Uh, the latest on the rack tender results are unknown at this time. However, uh, what we do know is the U.S. is about $208 a ton higher than the lowest bid. The mid-range should be around 550 area, which puts Paraguay, Brazil, Argentina, and India as a possible source, unless the U.S. quality is what's preferred in the end. The cash price on long grain did move higher over the last day. We're now seeing 11.73 per hundred based on a 62 over 70 number two. Harvest is starting to wind down for the most part, and field yields haven't gotten any better, and a disappointing crop for many. November rice up eight cents today, closing at twelve oh nine and a half. January rice up seven, twelve twenty four and a half. November sugar was unchanged, closing at twenty five point sixty five cents. Now with a look at the cotton market, here's Don Molino. Cotton futures at New York were down in nearby October Wednesday afternoon, but with other contracts marginally higher. China has given tariff exemptions on sixteen U.S. products though it does not include any of the main agriculture goods. U.S. Department of Agriculture will give us an updated look at the U.S. and world balance sheets today. The cotton liquid index down 45 points on September 10th at 70.60 a pound. The weekly average world price is 51.57, below loan rate. It'll be updated today. At New York Wednesday afternoon, October cotton 59.40, down 10. New crop December, 59.37, up 3. March cotton, 60.03, up 4. The spot market price for North and South Delta, both finished, 58.37, down 13. I'm Don Molino on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. At Dominique's Livestock Market in Baton Rouge and Opelousas this week, two to 300-pound steers brought a $1.10 to a $1.80 a pound. Three to four-weight steers, a dollar to a $1.65. Four to five weight steers brought ninety five cents to a dollar fifty. Five to six weights ninety to a dollar thirty five. With six to seven weight steers bringing eighty five cents to a dollar twenty five a pound. Slaughtered cows range from twenty five to sixty one cents a pound. Slaughtered bulls brought seventy three to eighty eight cents. The futures market closed sharply higher. The October live cattle up two thirty five, finishing at ninety eight fifty. October feeder cattle jumped 297 to close at 134.02. November feeders up 285. The cattle market has just been plain ugly over the last month following that big fire at the Tyson plant in Kansas. 
We'll talk more about how that has affected the cattle market here in Louisiana with Dave Foster of Cattle Producers of Louisiana. That's coming up next on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. What comes out of the ground creates energy and has been a major contributor to Louisiana's economy for over two centuries? No, it's not oil. It's sugar. Sugar cane, sweet sugar cane. Ever since the Jesuits began cultivating sugar in colonial Louisiana, this sweet crop has had a major impact on our economic well-being. Each year, our sugarcane industry creates an economic boon of nearly $3 billion for the Bayou State. This vital business engine supports fuel and fertilizer distributors, tractor and automotive dealerships, supermarkets, and more than 15,000 Louisiana jobs. The sugar industry also benefits research universities and schools, banks, and insurance agencies. Sugarcane, sweet sugarcane. The Louisiana sugarcane industry, helping empower the people of Louisiana for more than 220 years. Louisiana sugar, making life sweeter, naturally. The Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Our guest today is Dave Foster. Dave is a former market reporter here in the state of Louisiana and currently CEO of Cattle Producers of Louisiana. And Dave, let's talk about the cattle market. Not a lot of positive news to talk about right now. It all started back a few weeks ago when we had a big fire at the Tyson plant up in Kansas. And the market has tanked and stayed in the tank ever since then. Yes, it, it certainly has. And and you know it it is uh it is really uh almost for me personally and and knowing the markets and talking to people in the marketplace on a regular basis uh what took place uh, is really borders on criminal um and and uh i tell you what i am glad that the secretary of agriculture uh did get the uh, packers and stockyards to investigate and just to see uh, if if any of that happened, because Carrie, as you know, there were so many things that took place after that fire on Monday. Of course, the uh, live cattle markets and the futures market went down the limit uh, both on Monday and Tuesday, and and almost the limit again on Wednesday. So when you combine those three days, that's almost uh, for for the fat cattle deal. That's uh, close to ten dollars a hundred, and it's up to almost twelve dollars for. Uh, for the feeder cattle contract, and and then uh, and and then the profits went from the Packers were making two hundred to two hundred and fifty dollars a head uh, before the fire. After the fire, uh, it, it it got up to five hundred dollars a head per head, and that plant, particular plant, kills has a capacity to kill six thousand head a day. So you take that scenario then what did they do they called all the all all the retail people uh the people in the grocery stores and the people in the restaurants and said hey we got this fire you know this fire happened and and you know it'll it'll reduce the capacity and we won't maybe have enough product you better get some product bought so the box beef value the choice box beef value prior to the fire was uh $217 in change. 
Um, it went from from that. It went up as high as two hundred and forty one dollars, and 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 I, and it was amazing to me that there was no shortage of cattle coming in here. That plant, they, I think they say, it, it affected about six percent of the total cattle slaughtered um, uh, on a day. Uh, not a big deal. And so here we are now, and 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 the sad part about this is that we in Louisiana and in other southeastern states, we start marketing our our calves uh, in uh, mid August and finish up probably about mid October with a few in the in the just before Thanksgiving. But our big runs start the middle of of, of August. Well, what what happened? Here these guys go and they. They bring their cattle to the market in the first week. Our, our markets dropped ten to fifteen dollars a hundred because of the futures prices, and and that had nothing to do with supply and demand. Uh, and and these markets continue to get less and less. Uh, the fat cattle market has been in a downward spiral every ever since then. And uh, so the question is, when does it end? Uh, I'm not sure about the fat cattle market because. Uh, They've they've got plenty of supply, and uh, all we need to do is the feeders need to just take some cattle off their show list and say no, don't think I'm going to sell any this week, uh, and and uh, away they go. But our feeder cattle deal now we're into again we're into uh, the the fall run here. Uh, we've got a situation where our fall run consists of uh, mostly balling calves or not wean calves. And so the bulk of them, uh, the, the market normally cheapens up a little bit. But when you've got, when you start out with a negative 10 to $15 a hundredweight, and then every week it gets less and less, then, you know, that's a, that's a pretty hard thing to stand. And the good part of all this bad is that I, I really believe this, Carrie, I believe that the, uh, that, the producers out there, the industry out there, the people in the cow-calf business, the people that are backgrounding cattle, uh, the people in the feed yards, I think it, it, the light has shine, been shown on what really has taken place. And uh, I really hope that uh, that we get up in arms with all this and, and, and be very uh, boisterous about it, uh, uh, talking to our elected officials, uh, talking to the or cattle organizations that represent us and say, hey, let's let's try to do something with this. And so there again, uh, it's an unfortunate thing. It, it couldn't have happened at a worse time. And, and so I, I, I just hope that uh, this thing will get straightened around and some good will come out of a certainly of a lot of bad. Well, Dave, I know you and I both watch our local livestock auction reports that come out here in Louisiana. And when you look at those reports, uh, there's no denying the fact that all of this has trickled down to our cow-calf operations here in Louisiana. I'm seeing prices on those reports that I haven't seen in a lot of years. Uh, how far back has it been since we've seen prices this low in Louisiana? Can you remember? Yeah, it's it, it's a while, it, uh, and I'm just going by maybe memory, but not uh, since 2010, 11, somewhere in there, and maybe even further back than that. Um, but, it, but you're, you're right. It's, uh, it, it really has a huge, huge effect on a cow calf state like us, because 
our average um, our average mama cow herd, I think, is somewhere in the 30 mama cows uh, for the state. And, and so you've got uh, these small part-time people, and uh, when they can't even get uh, anywhere close to what, the, what, what it costs to run that cow for a year back on that calf, uh, they're not going to stay in the business very long. And so we could see some people getting out of the business here uh, just, be, just because of that. And then, and then you've got the bigger folks uh, that uh, their bankers may be telling them, hey, you know, we, we can't loan you any more money. So it, it really, it really ha- has a, a far-reaching effect on, uh, on us here as well. Well, I guess if we look for some good news in this situation, at least we've had grass this summer. We've had rain, we've had good pasture conditions, and it looks like everyone is going to go into the winter with a really good hay supply. Uh, So at least we do have that going for us, as opposed to the dry situation we had last year. That's exactly what I'm seeing, Kerry, and and that that is a true blessing. There's a lot of folks that had... uh, because of the rain, they got started late haying, but they were able to get get really get caught up. And uh, with this dry weather that we've had, or lack of rain, if you will, a lot of people have got in third cuttings of hay, and so uh, so that truly uh, is uh, is a blessing there. And also, uh, speaking of the of the cattle markets, um, our receipts, like I say, normally go up, uh, which they have, of course, in the mid-August to, to relate back to the fact that people are starting to move their, their calf crop. Uh, but but there's not everybody selling now. And because we've got forages available, especially here in the South, and uh, that's, that's a big blessing for us. And so I'll tell you what, I'm telling my members when they're calling, I said, if you can, uh, go ahead and, and just let your cattle uh, – you know, on that forage and uh, maybe pull them off the mama cow, but uh, just, just put them, put them on that grass and let them rough it through and, and uh, see what happens with this market. And, and uh, the only bad thing, I guess uh, you, you would have a little decrease in the market price possibly if it doesn't get better. However, what happens is you're able to hopefully gain enough on that forage to offset the lower prices. Then the other thing that we have that's a big asset here is with these wheat people, they've started planting wheat and uh, they'll be grazing that wheat. If, if they've got continued to get this good moisture, they'll be grazing that wheat um, sometime in September and the latter part of September, early part of October. And, and, and that, that should help our, our calf market that those cattle can, uh, go to a backgrounder that uh, preconditions those cattle to put on a wheat deal. So maybe there is some light at the end of the tunnel. Dave Foster, he's CEO of Cattle Producers of Louisiana. Thanks so much for the insight, Dave. Yes, sir. And that does it for another episode of the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. We'll be back tomorrow, but in the meantime, connect with us on social media. We're on both Facebook and Twitter. The handle is at Voice of LA Ag. We'll see you tomorrow right here on the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. Thanks for listening to the Voice of Louisiana Agriculture podcast. This podcast is produced by Kerry Martin and the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation. For more information, be sure to check out our website, 
voiceoflouisianaagriculture.org and lafarmbureau.org.